Do you believe your sensitivity is your biggest weakness? That's what a lot of highly sensitive persons think and experience. I'm going to show you that your sensitivity is actually your greatest strength. We will discuss all kinds of topics related to being a highly sensitive person, have inspiring guests and above all, give you all kinds of information and tools so you can learn to use it as a strength. My name is Annette Zwart, life coach for highly sensitive persons. Welcome to Sensitive and Strong. Great. So I'm happy to be here today with two awesome guests that I have, and we're going to talk about highly sensitive children. Um, first, my first guest, Rosie Lee, is a certified NLP practitioner and member of the NLP Association of Excellence uh, with a proven track record of working with those wanting to make a real change in their life. Um, Rosie has a background in management, trauma-focused work, compassion-focused training, working in custodial settings with substance misuse, behavioral change around unhealthy behaviors within relationships and highly sensitive people, children and adults. And she's also worked in education with those aged 16 and over, mentoring and empowering and supporting mental health and well-being. And she keeps the trauma-informed principles as a threat to keep through her work. And she also continues to train further, working towards continued positive support and outcomes for children through training as an Ollie coach. Definitely want to hear more about that. <laughs> so that's Rosie. And then we also have Barbara Allen, also based in the UK. She founded the National Center for High Sensitivity. And in 2013, she retired as a qualified integrator integrative therapist, a group worker and supervising after working in the therapeutic field for 20 years in order to widen the scope of her work with highly sensitive people. And Barbara has also received training on high sensitivity directly from Elaine Aaron in the USA. And she has written and presents continuing professional development workshops for professionals on the trait of sensory processing sensitivity. And also Barbara is a speaker on the topic of highly sensitive people and sensitive living. And she also facilitates the empowerment of HSPs at all levels by mentoring one-on-one -on -one or and, and also doing workshops nationally and internationally. So welcome to you both. Thank, Thank you. <laughs> Happy to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you too. And I'm looking forward to having a conversation today about highly sensitive children. I haven't done that before because it's such a big, big topic, I think. And there's so incredibly many variances of and all kinds of topics in this itself. So um, I'm really looking forward to uh, exploring the highly sensitive children a little bit more and also to uh, support the parents in that as well a little bit, maybe, hopefully. So great. Um, so what to start with? Um, I was thinking of, of explaining and sharing also a little bit about what is a sensitive child. Um, maybe uh, either one of you can give a little introduction on how you see this in, in highly sensitive children, the sensitivity. Well, I thought um, I would share Elaine Aaron's version of what high sensitivity is. She she uses an acronym, D-O-E-S, 
does. And um, that's what forms the basis of the trait of high sensitivity, um, which we have all our lives. So um, a highly sensitive child um, has four cornerstones of their trait. They have depth of processing and deep thinking. They have um, a tendency towards over arousal in busy environments um, if there's too much going on at once. Uh, they have emotional uh, intensity and sensitivity. <clears throat> and also they have a, sens a sensitivity to subtlety. So they notice all the small things sometimes that the rest of us miss. So that's one of the, those are the four cornerstones of, of, of um, highly sensitive children. But of course, highly sensitive children vary a lot in their personalities as well as their natural innate traits. Yeah, that's that's a great description, Barbara. I think that's that's so true. I mean, just like in adults, the the sensitivity shows up the same, of course, with the same uh, characteristics. Um, but of course, there's a very it's sometimes it's more difficult to see. I think like because there's so many different other um, diagnoses that a child a child can get, and so I think it's often very important to look at like what is actually going on with the child. Like what is what is the thing that they need to uh, train on or learn more about? Maybe you could share a little bit about that, Rosie. So I would say certainly for me, I I see a variety of different highly sensitive children or teenagers, um, young adults come to me with lots of different presentations. Now, it may be that somebody has a diagnosis of something else, but they are also highly sensitive. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're not highly sensitive because they've got other stuff going on. Um, but I see frustrated teenagers because uh, they can't communicate in the way that they need to with friends or they can't have the friendships that they need. I see very anxious teenagers who are dealing with this overstimulation and they don't know what to do with all of that energy that is kept within them. And actually then you can have a presentation of quite um, what appears to be an angry child or someone who withdraws completely because it's too overstimulating. So um, I certainly, I use this sort of original um, Elaine Aaron uh, sort of test, if you will, to sort of go through and just pinpoint whether there are lots of things about you that might indicate that you're highly sensitive. And I have lots of conversations that actually empower these teenagers rather than thinking there's something wrong with them. Um, and, you know, I sort of wear my sensitivity very much as a badge. Uh, and, you know, I'm highly sensitive. I'm an extrovert, which means I can people for longer. However, I also need to retreat back to my sort of little cave to get my energy back from there as well. And I've learned that over time. So enabling teenagers to, to figure out how to be sensitive in this sort of world with a dominant culture where sensitivity is frowned upon, um, and to let go of some of that negativity they're holding. Um, I think that's something that's that's really helpful. Certainly this week, I've um, had somebody come back after I gave them loads of information about high sensitivity. And they said, oh, I think I might be. And I said, did you do the, the self-test? No, I didn't. And then we did it and they scored 24. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's possible that you are indeed highly sensitive. <laughs> Actually, it was really freeing for this person to have a conversation about the positive 
things of being sensitive because you're not supposed to be I say in inverted commas so sensitive in this world but actually it's a wonderful thing um so I, I do see to summarize what I've just said um <laughs> a lot of varying presentations of, of, of highly sensitive people um so uh, there might be other examples that might come out a little later while we're chatting yeah 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 I think that's so important to to emphasize that there are so many different ways that that you, that a child could have difficulty with being highly sensitive because it all depends of course greatly on how you were raised what was accepted what not what was uh what you learned about yourself what is okay what is not okay and so it's it's and also of course there's a lots of different variety also in hsps itself like one person has more of a struggle with with the sounds and and the, the more physical almost that you're really into the senses and another person is is really uh more focused on another thing so it all depends also on what is it exactly that is for you like the the overwhelm that that is created in your life mm -hmm. and i think what you were saying that uh you being extroverted i think that's also uh a very big difference in how it shows up because most of the time even extroverted hsps i know as adults have difficulty recognizing themselves as hsps do you think that also uh, it's the same with with children when they're extroverted. In the teenagers that I've met who are extrovert HSCs, um, it's almost as if they know that they can do it. They can do all of the peopling and the socializing. And then when they feel that they can't, there's a huge shame that comes with that. Mm. Um, like, again, like there's something wrong with them. Um, and actually, you know, having that conversation again about you can use you get your energy from different places and actually as an introvert you might get your energy being alone in nature or doing something on your own in your little hub um wherever that might be your safe space and then as an extrovert you still I still get energy from being at home but I also might get energy from being with people especially other highly sensitive people so if you can find people on the same kind of energy wavelength um i tend to do a lot of gesticulating with my hands wiggling my hands about um but actually if you're able to find people with the same energy wavelength you will get energy from them and then you can take that away rather than feeling depleted so it's kind of about giving people the choice of the situations that they they go into and as parents that's really important to listen to little ones especially to give them that autonomy and decision-making about the situations they go into, family situations, parties, um, overwhelming school productions, um, after-school activities, things like that, so, you know, um, Sunday football, whatever it might be, giving them the choice and being able to recognise that some days they might be able to and some days it might be, it might be too much. And actually, that's okay. You can actually... I refer to it as kind of feeding your soul, if you will. How are you going to feed your soul today? Is it going to be with people? Is it going to be actually feeding your soul at home and recognizing I need to do that on my own? And and that's okay. Um, it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's nothing to feel bad about because actually you are important, not just everybody else. Yeah, I think as well, parents struggle sometimes because when we look at the 
media, if we look at online forums and things, there high sensitivity is often pointed to as if it's a problem. And the children or the teenagers that might be brought to professionals appear to be having a problem. And so that can mean that sensitive people are seen as a problem. <laughs> sensitivity is seen as a problem in itself, whereas actually, you know, there are many, many highly sensitive children, teenagers and adults who are thriving out there. The ones that need some support, I think, are the ones who are struggling to understand where their sensitivity fits into their experience of the world. And some of that is influenced by sometimes if parents are ignorant of what high sensitivity is, or if they're led to be concerned about what is a normal behavior for a sensitive child, and then they misinterpret it as a problem. So for instance, if you have a very highly sensitive and very introverted, uh, naturally introverted child, someone might identify that as a problem with socialization. And yet it might be actually quite normal for a very highly sensitive child to, to manage their overstimulation by removing themselves. And, and it just happens to get misinterpreted. So it can get misinterpreted as shyness, for instance, or um, being withdrawn from others and not willing to form relationships. Whereas actually the child is just protecting their senses from overload, really. And they need time to process and think before they act. Um, something that a lot of people don't realize is, is, is the case for anyone who's highly sensitive is that we have a genetic trait that um, causes us to pause and check before doing things. It's a survival mechanism. It's something that's evolved um, in order to help the tribe and humans to survive. And that kind of pause to check is quite normal. So sensitive children, even if they get very excited about an idea of doing something new, for instance, may still hang back when they're presented with that situation. They may hang back and seem as if they are maybe a little bit contrary. So one minute they say, yes, I want to go, I want to do this. And then they won't let go of mum's leg for about 10 minutes when they when they get there. And you think, well, you made me bring you here. You wanted to come. Now what's happening? And it's just a natural trait. It's actually something they can't change. They, But how people react to their natural pausing to check before acting, how we respond to that will give them the message of whether this is a good thing or a not good thing. And yet we need more people in the world who think before they act, don't we? We actually, the lack of it, especially in, in places of leadership, has led to quite a few problems. So we actually need people to be encouraged to think before acting and to recognise a child who's following their natural inclination um, and, and to encourage that, to understand it. And then if we feel that maybe there is some anxiety attached to their reluctance. That's a different thing altogether and it's probably caused by overstimulation or being overwhelmed in previous situations, which makes them overly cautious perhaps about something new. But generally speaking, I think most highly sensitive children, when I see them, they are behaving perfectly normally and everyone else thinks they're not. <laughs> <laughs> and that can be the the difficulty and then of course parents who are really 
desperately wanting to support their children who seem anxious or upset or overstimulated, they then find themselves coming into contact into conflict with uh, institutions like schools and things where schools are telling them that there's an issue or where schools are asking the parent to make their child do something in a certain way. And they feel the parents themselves almost can feel that they are not um, behaving themselves, <laughs> that they are not going along with what education um, is is requiring. And so I, I think the answer is a lot more education of what sensory processing sensitivity actually is, and also the valuing of it in families, in society, in our communities, and in in our leaders really, to actually recognise that a deep, thoughtful, responsive, compassionate child who likes to think for quite a while before making decisions or before entering into new situations, so actually see that as positive, safe leadership in a, in a way. Yeah, indeed. I mean, oh, wow, you've mentioned already so many things. <laughs> And that's obvious also, like there are so many different facets about a highly sensitive child. And I, I love that we're already talking about like how, how different a highly sensitive child can look uh, if you compare them with, with non-sensitive children, uh, which doesn't mean, of course, that they're totally not sensitive, but uh, less sensitive, I should say. And so to normalize that behavior, indeed, that it is normal for highly sensitive children to just pause and check, to just see what's going on and to, to be okay with that and also have parents understanding to um, just give your child some time to process the room, to process the situation and to just let them explore on their own time instead of pushing them like, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Don't be shy. Because, I mean, we all know if you if you give someone a label that they're shy and you repeat that over and over again, they will become shy. But mm -hmm. it's in fact a whole it's just a pause and check uh the trait characteristic of, of just looking at the room and seeing what's going on. And there's a big difference in that because I think a lot of HSPs, even a lot of the grown-ups as well, like you recognize that people have said to you probably a lot of times, like, oh, you're really shy, right? And that's not the case. We're not shy. Mm -hmm. We just need some time to to process the situation. Yes. Yes. And I and I think, you know, looking at when when I see online, there are various forums where people go to talk about um, often parents who want to talk about their children who are highly sensitive and to get some support with some of the behavior that they are trying to manage at, at home. I think that different trying to differentiate between what's a problem and what's not is is the difficulty really so you some of the things that come up quite regularly are children emotionally overwhelmed and having meltdowns and then there are children who want to be in control of everything um and and then there are children who who do not want to speak to anyone they don't know for instance um and some of this in the background, there is some something to do with high sensitivity, but I, I often feel that 
quite a lot of it is to do with how we have responded to their natural needs in those situations. So it can be quite um, quite difficult, I think, for parents to know. For instance, the um, recent study showed that highly sensitive children prefer and respond more to authoritative parenting. And I think there's a lot out there of, you know, this feeling of we must be mindful of sensitive children's feelings. We must be gentle with them and that kind of thing. And, and I think um, often people see, if they hear the word authoritative, they think of, you know, authority figures who are like very bossy and tell you what to do every five minutes. And it's not that. It's actually about parents who are definitely in charge in the household. But for highly sensitive children to have parents who are definitely in charge so the kids know what is going on but who also can give space for that child's need for time to process their feelings to understand situations and to make choices because when I've looked at um, a few children who've been brought to see me in the in the past with some of them you know it, it being a, a, a terrible time getting them dressed in the mornings and then wanting to be in charge of everything everything and everyone and all this kind of thing when you actually look back in their little young lives they've been completely overwhelmed and people have not recognized their distress they've been overwhelmed by too much going on too many people too much of an expectation at once and so what they do as a result of that is they, they go the opposite. They want to have complete control of what happens. And so they, they are actually behaving in a less flexible manner. That's not the child's problem, really. What we'd have to do then is reintroduce the idea that it's actually safe to try something, that it's actually safe to let mum and dad make choices for you because mum and dad understand what you need so that you get back to that um, healthy compromise of of an authoritative parent in charge but a child who has a say who can express their feelings and be listened to um, but mum and dad basically are still the, the safe caregivers that that they have to be if we give too much um, power and control to highly sensitive children they actually find that very scary and um, they almost uh can then sort of go the opposite way that that we want. And I, I think because sensitive children are aware of so much more than other children are, we sometimes underestimate yeah. the complexity of the situations we as parents can cause by simply being afraid to say no to our children. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to cry when we, we know they're going to cry when we say no, we have to go in 10 minutes. So we'll have to just do it this way or or whatever. We're so afraid of upsetting them because we sense their sensitivity and we can feel the intensity that their feelings have. And I think sometimes, unless you understand what high sensitivity is, you don't understand that it's only intense. It's the right kind of response. Every child wants to resist and every child has an upset feeling. But just because it's that intense, it doesn't actually mean it's the end of the world. It just feels like it's the end of the world for that sensitive child because their feeling is so strong and so we have to as parents there's a really good book um by elaine aaron on on highly sensitive children she's really good at sort of helping parents to understand and i think if you're a highly sensitive parent as well yourself um there's another good book about um the highly sensitive parent of how to actually look after yourself while you're you're also looking after 
looking after children as especially sensitive children because we all can get as, as sensitive parents we can especially feel the intensity of our children and that can move us to make different decisions than we would in another in another setting you know <laughs> yeah absolutely i think that's a great point and i think indeed like the need for highly sensitive children to have boundaries um, is 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 great, and uh, to also as a parent, it can sometimes be very tricky to assess like whether to give your child freedom and to to set rules. And so, I think the the ideal way in that is to for parents to, I mean, you you have to set boundaries because otherwise the child will feel too free and and insecure, and so a child needs to to kick at those boundaries also and very slowly and very uh with the years that they get a little bit more freedom and to get a little bit more control about their own life but it needs to be indeed in the amount of uh within their capabilities to handle the situation so i think it's as a parent it's sometimes also great to to be aware of that like to to feel that middle middle perfect almost and I think one of the most important things also to realize with that I mean most of the parents that you talked about uh, in the Facebook groups and everything they're very much afraid of uh, not doing the right thing but I think as a parent you're also very much uh, you are allowed to make mistakes and I think also to show your children like okay this is something I really did very wrong. I didn't handle it very well. Um, to be honest with them and also acknowledge your own mistakes because that's also something that that your your children need to see and learn. Like, oh, mama is also sometimes messing up and she's uh, apologizing for it. And, and that's something that is okay. I can make mistakes because a lot of uh, highly sensitive children also, of course, uh, very perfectionistic uh, yeah. you see that also in 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 adults of course so that's also very important I think to uh, to think about yeah I mean there's that interesting thing it's it's like a, a kind of a marriage of, of high conscientiousness and aversion to shame and I think you know how we how we correct sensitive children matters even more for sensitive children than it does for others things don't just uh go over their heads there's a you know with most the other 80 percent of children within reason i mean if you if you give a reasonable correction they um they'll take it on board and within five minutes they've forgotten about it because they're over it already um, but with sensitive children, they their level of conscientiousness is so high that they want to get everything right all the time. And of course, if we as parents tend to be like that as well, they they learn it from us too. So I think you're you're so right, Annette, when you say that parents need to demonstrate that it's okay or even funny to make mistakes, and that sometimes mistakes help us to get an even better outcome in the end because it means that we do, we do something unexpected that we weren't expecting before something that's even better so I think that's something 
I would particularly say that parents need to be aware of from quite a young age with sensitive children is, is it being okay to make a mistake? And then if they're overwhelmed um, by emotions, um, some of which will be shame, um, that there are ways to express that safely um, and that it's okay. It's okay to be upset because something went wrong. Um, yes. I think we talked before, didn't we, about about overwhelm and, and something that I say to parents who I speak to who are concerned about some of the students that I speak to, um, but really helps with the students is actually in terms of the overwhelm, I describe it as you fill up with stuff and it can be anything. It can be, say, I had a really busy weekend. It was a lovely weekend. It was just really busy. I'm filling up because I'm doing a lot of stuff. And actually that takes my energy, it might use some emotions, it might use my social battery, all those things. And actually I fill up if there are stressful things going on, traumatic things going on. Um, and, you know, it can be traumatic to get the bus every day to college, bus and a train to actually come into college where there are thousands of people and try and go into a cafe. You know, I'm not saying all highly sensitive people are traumatized, but actually that's incredibly overwhelming to be in these situations that in terms of sensory input is a huge overload. So actually filling up, if you fill up, you don't know what it is that's going to end up making you leak. And actually what we want to do is leak helpfully and actually not leak surprisingly. Because, you know, what we tend to see is we tend to see people leaking out of their face by crying or they're leaking out of their mouth by shouting or they're leaking out of their limbs because their energy is coming out by slamming doors or throwing bags around or whatever it is. If you can recognize in yourself you can then get those coping skills in place, if you will, to go, well, actually, you probably need to go and do ABC, you know, have some quiet time. That's what we do in our house. My husband, I need some quiet time. All right, then. And off he goes. I'm so highly sensitive. Lovely. Uh, so general understanding in the house is wonderful. Um, but actually, if, if we hadn't discovered that, you know, would would the option for quiet time even be an option? So actually, it's really nice to be able to recognize that and then recognize what do you need to do? If you're somebody that leaks out of your body, you need to do something physical, probably going for a walk in nature. Sometimes I, I take students on stomps. So we go for a stomp. So we stomp around the grounds. Um, sometimes people need to come in and just leak out of their mouth at me for two minutes, externally process the things that they're frustrated about or overwhelmed with. And that lets that overwhelm down a little bit so actually they can go on about their day they haven't just got to keep quiet and keep going until they can get home and have what might be perceived as a tantrum or a meltdown so as parents if you can help children understand yeah we all get overwhelmed and we all fill up and we leak sometimes but how do you need to leak helpfully that's such a great skill to be able to give children and for adults and especially highly sensitive parents because they will fill up hugely if they're also feeling everything that's coming from their overwhelmed child as well yes yeah. yes very much so and I and I think as well I, I do think that we underestimate what sensitive children are aware of um mm. you know a sensitive child they well any child they may hear um a little bit of a newscast or they may hear their parents talking oh there's 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 a war in in Ukraine they may see a photograph or something that just flits flits by. Well, a sensitive child will understand what that means at a very deep level. And so they're not just getting overwhelmed at school from being busy and all the expectations. They've actually probably been processing the what ifs of war, what ifs of 
What does that mean about human beings that they do this to each other? They will have been thinking about all of that stuff as well all day long. So that sense that Rosie was talking about of filling up, they will have been adding and filling and filling from their own thoughts and processing during the day. And they will have questions, some of which might be difficult to answer as, as a parent. And we, I think it's easy to, it's easy for us to think, oh, well, they're just children. They don't, you don't need to worry about that. Pat them on the head that you don't need to worry about that. Well, I'm sorry, <laughs> sensitive children already worried about it because they notice everything. Yeah. And they notice the meanings of things and they need to have a conversation about that to the level of depth that they that they can go to. And so if we assume that children aren't affected by things, you know, it's only the sensitive children that are affected first by these stresses, by all sorts of things that are going on, you know, the pandemic and everything. The sensitive children are the first ones to show the stresses and strains or even the benefits of actually being in lockdown, for instance. So they show it first. And so it's really important to pay attention to what's on the mind, on the minds of sensitive children and to find a way to help them to make sense of, of things, because that's part of how they feel safe in the world is to feel that they can have those conversations that we might feel are too adult for them, but which it's, they are already having in their own mind. Yeah. I think indeed, I think that most children, they will, they will show you whether they can handle something or not by their way of processing about it. If you, if you talk to, to your child about specific situations and you let them just share what they think about it, you will see what level of understanding they have and hear about that. And you can go with that. And I think also to just accepting that your child will be upset what you said earlier Barbara that we as parents you have to accept that highly sensitive children will be more intense with their emotions so their their sadness their their anger their uh, all their emotions will be stronger as as in comparison to other children yeah. who are not so highly sensitive maybe and so accepting that um, I think is very important. I think something I see a lot of, um, certainly with, with young children and, and teenagers and adults, is um, as highly sensitive people and children, um, is actually sometimes as, as I see parents who are frustrated with their children who are in these um, unhealthy friendships or what they perceive to be unhealthy friendships. And something that I've been coming uh, across a lot um, at work is um, highly sensitive children who are feeling other people's distress. And in order to make themselves feel better, they end up desperately trying to help this other person in their life who is distressed, because if they can ease that distress, they themselves will feel better. And actually what you then end up with is what we sort of hear as people pleasers. Those people who will constantly be trying to make other people feel better so they don't feel like it's their fault, for one, for upsetting anybody, um, and also not feeling that negative sort of um, overwhelming energy from that other person as well. Um, and that's a, that's a difficult one to, to learn as an adult and as a teenager. If you can teach your children that it's okay to have those boundaries yourself, 
and start learning what is mine and what is somebody else's. Because sometimes that emotional overwhelm is so overwhelming, you have no idea. I don't know if this yeah. is mine, I don't know if it's somebody else's. Um, so to be able to, that pause to check, oh, hang on a minute. Let me just have a think about this. What's the evidence? What's rational? All that kind of stuff. Because if it's all feeling, it's very difficult to be rational in that moment. Yeah, and, and here again, I think this is where educating about the, the trait of high sensitivity comes in, both um, for parents to understand it and for the child or the young adult to understand it. And I, and I think if we don't, if we don't help someone to actually know that there are boundaries they can lay down, that they don't have to be a friend to all, that they don't have to take on all the distress of everyone else, we actually miss out on the good things about sensitive children. You know, they're highly compassionate and empathic. They are super creative in the many different ways that you can be creative whether it's in a technical way or whether it's in an artistic way or in a relational way they they have so much to offer and i and i think that 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 the difficulty we sometimes have with high sensitivity is is we only notice it when something is going wrong with someone who's overwhelmed and actually, all the rest of the wonderful things about being highly sensitive are just not noticed. And there are people out in the world who are highly sensitive and having a great life and they're having great friendships and a great time at school because they themselves are feeling OK about who they are. And so they've grown up in settings where they have sufficient self-knowledge and, and sufficient support to be able to truly be an authentic, sensitive person. So that there's actually, they don't have a need for the label of a sensitive person. They just are who they are. But our attention is usually drawn to those who are, are struggling or the parents who are struggling to understand what their children need. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I think, I mean, often we, when we're not familiar with something which is difficult for us, then we sort of like need a label for it to understand it and to have more of a, a really deep, deep understanding about what is causing the problem. And then once you start learning how to deal with it, you sort of transcend the label because then you don't need it anymore because then it's yeah. just something that's part of you and it's not a problem anymore. So then the label is not so much more uh, needed almost. Yes. Yeah, 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 awesome. Um, so indeed, like the, the you already mentioned it, I think both of you, like learning how to regulate emotions is, is a very big thing as, as well for the children as also for the, the parents, I think. Do you have any ideas or tips maybe on how uh, a parent could find more resources on that? specific resources I think it's hard to list them I know that James Williams has written some good books on understanding highly sensitive children so I definitely recommend having a look at his books Elaine yeah. Aaron's book has quite a few resources I think I think looking at uh, categories like boundaries how what are boundaries and and how do we set them for instance we can actually become our own um, creators in terms of resources so for instance 
um, one of the common things that I've come across is um, the difficulty for sensitive children to actually get downtime in their own home because there are other children who don't allow them to have peace and quiet who run into their room even if the child takes themselves off so we can say here's a great resource take yourself off take yourself off quietly somewhere get a book and read and they they'll calm down well that's all very well but if your sibling is allowed to just run in and jump on you <laughs> or or scream at the top of their lungs you don't get to use those resources, you know. So I, I think um, it may be, I don't know, Rosie, if you have a particular list of resources that you would recommend, for instance, or that you've found um, that are very much more specific for sensitive children. Mine, mine usually revolve around getting some peace and quiet because that seems to solve everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that is really important. Even as an extrovert myself, I'm, I realise the value of having some quiet time. Absolutely. And going for a walk and being in nature, you know, wrapping up warm and experiencing something different, but something positive. Um, and I think it's all it's all again down to the, that individual. Um, so, yes, we talk about extroverts and introverts and high sensation seekers and, you know, non HSPs and all the different sort of nuances of people. Um, but actually, there's different personalities and people, again, you know, me talking about feeding our souls what is it that feeds your soul what is it that, that that you know where you get that positive soul energy from um and figuring that out together with parents um and you know actually sometimes the difficulty can be not the parents it can be the systems that everybody's involved in um that make it really difficult i've certainly i've worked with a, a couple of highly sensitive teenagers who have said you know oh i'm really sensitive etc and they, they describe to me high sensitivity um and I say oh you know what support have you got at home oh well my mum's always telling me I'm really sensitive and you know suggesting I do ABC and I think oh good you know because actually mum's on board already she's waiting for you to figure it out um so actually that's a really lovely situation where someone can easily go back and say oh I've spoken to those as parents we try to tell our kids things all the time and they don't listen um and sometimes actually then to give the child permission you know actually it's okay if you're you know needing to take a little bit more time today or do you need to get up earlier do you need to take snacks 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 i will not stop talking about yeah. snacks with these highly sensitive teenagers because they're, they're in a rush because they've gotten up late or they haven't had enough time. And so they haven't had breakfast. Um, they come in, they grab maybe a Kit Kat. Um, other, other chocolate bars are available. And um, they, they won't actually eat things that are good for them or when they need it. And they will absolutely feel depleted. And that yeah. will yeah. really sort of ruin the day. And actually just keep some good snacks on you that will keep that sort of blood sugar level up because you will be sensitive to that. Um, I've always got biscuits. I feel like a, I'm constantly trying to give people biscuits when I meet them. But now I get fruit in as well because obviously I want to have something a little bit healthier. Um, <laughs> but it's so important because you can see people just elevate immediately. Yeah. So um, I think, I in terms think of that's, that, that's true that it, it, it's a thing with sensitivity that actually the um, sensitive people need to eat more often. Mm. They don't need to eat a lot more often. They need to eat, just eat a bit more often and particularly protein and things. It seems to help to manage the anxiety as well. The, uh, that's caused by cortisol streaming around the, 
around the body. Yeah. Um, yeah. And another resource, I mean, it sound, I'm calling it a resource, but simply to understand that sensitive um, children can do with less choices. If you present them with too many choices, it's very stressful for them because they process every choice so deeply. It can take a long time to make a decision. They can make a decision in the end, but of course everybody's sick to death of them by the time they get to the point where they can make a decision. And they can feel that, but they just need less less, uh, less items to, yeah. <laughs> to choose from. I was just looking at a book I've, I've got here. It's called Your Rainforest Mind, and it kind of describes a, a particular type of highly sensitive person. But in the back, there um, there's a chapter uh, called recommended resources and I found that the recommended resources in this book the rainforest mind by Paula Prober um, actually are really really good for most highly sensitive people so she's she's covers things like when when there's too much intensity sensitivity and empathy going on <laughs> what do you do um, there's um, so uh, why aren't you saving the world? You know, sensitive children often feel guilty, as, as we were talking about before, because they feel like they can't help everybody. Mm. What about perfectionism, precision and procrastination? There's a list of resources in this book. If, if that is one of the things that's how you express your anxiety. Um, and then she's got a section here, too many possibilities, too many choices, how to deal with that. Well, that's... Mm. You know, even I find I find that I'm a I'm a fully grown adult and I have to be careful not to have too many choices. Um, and and here she's got one called school days when school is just a bit overwhelming and, and things like that. So I think, yes, we've got some great books from Elaine Aaron, but also there's some other books like The Rainforest Mind, which really help to explain the sheer amount of things that are going on in the mind of a sensitive child in one in one single day yeah <laughs> I think as well um to be to be really clear as well when I speak to people is that I I hear people say I'm anxious I've always been an anxious person my question is always and actually anxiety usually you won't have always had anxiety you may have always been overwhelmed so yes. actually what's happening what's the language and so what actually I tend to do is sometimes I will say oh okay. you know in my mind they're presenting to me they've got anxiety so I'll say why don't you go and have a look at um Couth, for instance, which has got loads of information on how to deal with anxiety, but they're constantly using the word anxiety. So, for instance, a self-soothe box. So that kind of thing is wonderful in terms of, oh, I recognise that I'm filling up. I'm going to go and use my self-soothe box. It's all of those strategies that you can put in place to reduce your overwhelm. And so I tend to try and use the word overwhelm rather than stressed and anxious all the time, because what we're really dealing with is, is overwhelm. Um, and that sort of intensity that comes with it. So self-soothe boxes are a, a wonderful idea. Having something that you can listen to, music, a podcast, something that, again, fills your soul, but, you know, that brings you down slightly back to who you are. Um, yeah. so you can feel a little bit of that, even if you're elsewhere and not in your sort of safe space at home or wherever. 
you know, you can be like, oh, yes, all right, I can feel that. Because a little bit of some music will make a huge difference to highly sensitive children if that's their yeah. thing that helps it, them. It will. And I, and I think, you know, one of the things that we as parents can do for young children who are highly sensitive is to start to associate certain music with something calm. So if there's a time in the day when we're starting to teach our little ones, well, now we're going to lie on the sofa. Now we're going to lie on the floor with cushions. And just for 10 minutes, we're going to put a timer on and we're going to listen to this music. And the child starts to see that as a normal part of the day where we just take some time out and we start to create some space inside of our of ourselves. And that way, that child you can influence that child then, because if your child is is feeling really het up and overwhelmed, you could actually put the music on in the background. Even if you can't go and lie down now, that music will start to have an effect on their mind because there are nice associations with good times, with calm and with breathing and that kind of thing. So I think as parents, the, the thing that we can really do is to foresee that it is inevitable that a child will get overwhelmed. And also that a lot of anxiety starts when they go to school. And by the time they've been in school from about the age of five to about 10 or 11, if they've been overwhelmed the whole time, they will start to have developed some quite serious issues with anxiety or behavior or something like that, just from being so overwhelmed. And they'll have had too much cortisol going around their system for absolute years and that's not good for them so having ways to actually calm themselves and permission both at home and at school to take themselves away a little bit it doesn't take long to actually calm down it they just need to feel that it doesn't upset anyone if they just take care of themselves and i and i think this is the thing because they're so tuned into people that children might even avoid taking care of themselves because they think it upsets other people for them to do so. And I know as adults, we sometimes don't do that for ourselves because we're afraid it'll upset people um, or they'll wonder where we are or they just don't get why we need to do this. And it's the same for children. So they need a kind of the opportunity to put things in place from quite a young age and to see that demonstrated ideally by parents as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. I think I think one of the things that I also learned on how to calm yourself down basically when you're in over overwhelm is also just by focusing on on senses is something that is creating creating a pause in your in your brains almost. And you can do that with all kinds of things. Like if you just take one of your senses and that could be with children, you could like use taste also. Um, for instance, if you have them eat something and you ask them like, what do you taste exactly? How does the structure feel in your mouth? Um, what else do you feel in your mouth? How does your tongue touch the food or, or the, the thing you're drinking and to really focus on that attention and really be very attuned with it. That is also something that sort of pauses your brain, which also creates the, the, the calm that focuses you later again. And so there's all kinds of ways to, uh, to do that. 
certainly there's lots of grounding techniques. There's something that you would easily be able to Google for anybody, different grounding techniques and different grounding techniques would work for different people. But using your example of that focus, um, something I, I work through with some people is a particular grounding technique called 54321. You might have heard it where you focus on five things that you can um, see, four things that you can touch, three things you can hear and so on. So using all of your senses. And I use that to also try, uh, I, it is quite a good indicator of whether I've got an HSC in front of me. Because what I then say is, I don't just want to hear, I can see a plant, a chair, a kettle. You know, <laughs> actually really immerse yourself in what you're seeing and tell me, describe it to me. Now, HSCs will have no problem really, uh, you know, intensely identifying what they are seeing in front of me. Um, and then non-HSCs, they might struggle a little bit more. Um, they'll say, oh, it's blue, it's blue chair, oh, it's got metal loose. And uh, an, uh, a highly sensitive child, I'm finding, actually, I'm seeing a blue chair. I imagine it feels like this. So they immediately then start going into all of their other senses and that sort of depth as well. Um, so that's a really, really good grounding technique for highly sensitive um people is to actually tap into all of their different senses um and just be in that moment in that space yeah. um, and that's that's quite a nice one as well i tend to for me if i'm feeling overwhelmed i do a lot of overthinking so we see a lot of overthinkers with highly sensitive children and yeah. so if i'm being coming overwhelmed with my overthinking what i would then do is a distraction grounding exercise for myself which is involves thinking not actually just being or moving um so i might do lots of different maths in my head or i will play the alphabet game um so listing as many different words i can think of beginning with a and then beginning with b and then beginning with c um so not only does that increase highly sensitive children's vocabulary because the next time they play it they can't use the same words <laughs> but also it gives them ideas of things well do you know what actually i'm feeling overwhelmed by that thought at the moment i'm going to choose to think about something else and then come back to it when I'm able to to think about it rationally because I'm not emotionally overwhelmed. And that's a good skill to be able to give give your children and make it a bit of a game as well. Yeah, and I, I think um, it's, it's lovely to have all these techniques and um, it's good that we use them and we introduce them to children. But I have a very strong feeling within myself that most of the time they shouldn't have to be using them. You know, actually, sensitive children need peace and they need to have quite a bit of quiet and maybe outdoor time to um, be in nature and things. It's 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 the way that they're they're kind of built. And so what we need is a is a world that's created where it's OK to do that. And I think, you know, when I was growing up, I could just leave the house and wander around and go go into the woods and sit in the tree and nobody stopped me nobody came up to me and said that's a weird thing to do or anything like that <laughs> nobody said that and while I was younger I found I didn't have the level of anxiety that I did once I got into into senior school and you know the high school kind of age where it seemed as though there was no let up to the sheer number of things that had to be done in one single day and so I think although we might get, I think as parents, we might be told, you know, they should have extracurricular activities, they should be learning this and they should be learning that. 
I don't think most parents realise how long a day feels to a sensitive child and they need an empty head. And what you usually find with children who are beginning to get overwhelmed is they start daydreaming a lot. So you see them away with the fairies. They're looking out of the window or you'll find the teachers. I'm constantly having to say, stop daydreaming. And actually what's happening is that child is trying to do the thinking and the processing and the dreaming and the emptying of their mind. They're trying to do it in the middle of a task that requires their attention. But of course they 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 can't so i think i think one of the things i would say about sensitive children is less is more if they're begging you to take them to to ballet <laughs> by all means take them but if they say oh i'm finding a ballet a bit much give them a break they might go back to it they might go back to it afterwards if they were really enjoying it but it may be that just what with life and everything in general they may find that doing all of these after school things is just a little bit much for them because it's it's a long time when a child's at school from nine o'clock until half past three yeah and then they're with people all the time and there's kids who shout and there's kids who bully each other that they witness in the playground and things like that which is shocking to them they they work hard all day and then the most common thing that you hear from parents is Oh, when they come out of school, they're in such a bad mood. <laughs> and the yeah. teacher says, oh, no, they've been little angels all day. And yeah. then when I get them home, they're yeah. awful. <laughs> and what's happened is, is by half past three, four o'clock, they have had enough. They don't want one single word to be said. They yeah. just want nothing to happen and also a snack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> wow, that's a great summary. I think what what highly sensitive children then also need in the moment of absolutely. And so I think before we close off, I there's one thing that I would really love to address also is like maybe some ideas for parents also how to discuss this with with their with the teachers of their children. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, fortunately for us, Lena has covered this in her book. Great, yeah. <laughs> book. I think I think there's something on it in the highly sensitive um, children book, and there's also something in the one that's for 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 adults. That it's how to talk about your trait with other people, how to talk to medical people, yeah. and I think what I always say is judge by the look on the person's face. So if the person says what's the matter with your child? <laughs> then think about how you want to answer that and keep it short. So it may just be, well, she um, she probably has done enough for today. So I think we're going to go home. And that might be all it is. I don't think we need to make excuses for our children as if high sensitivity is, is a problem that the child has but there are some people who were genuinely interested and so if a teacher is saying you know oh I noticed um uh, she's struggling um to she's struggling to make friends or she wanders off on her own or she's not really concentrating in class you can actually say well she has got sensory processing sensitivity and that means that she's very much aware of the subtleties and when there's a lot going on at once 
then she finds it very difficult to process it or it becomes a processing problem, even though it's a natural innate thing for her to do. And so then if the teacher looks like they're paying attention, that they're not already deciding that this is rubbish that you're talking, <laughs> then they might say, well, oh, so so when did this happen? And then you can explain that it's, it's something that people are, that's there when people are born. And um, you can say there are very important advantages to it. So they're very good at focusing normally, but they need enough quiet time to be able to process what they've learned. They're usually very compassionate and helpful children and then see what people are saying to that. They may have noticed that your child is, is like that. And, and, and then the more someone sounds like they want to know more, then tell, then tell them more. But I, I think for some people, I wouldn't even mention it because they, the, even the word sensitive, well, they will find annoying because they don't understand what sensitivity is. Um, so, you know, I don't know, maybe Rosie's got a version that she tends to explain, I don't know, to, to anyone who might ask. I mean, I tend to direct people to Elaine Aaron's books. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and um, also the website, because sometimes people, they can sort of scroll on their phone or, you know, whenever they've got a chance at work, they might take a minute to have a look at that. Um, but also, you know, sometimes there are teachers, like you say, who are more receptive. Um, I've come across teachers who have actually heard of the trait. And wow. that, yes, I know. Um, so I don't know if they've just heard through the grapevine from me, other people, I don't know. But um, I, I think certainly picking and choosing the people that you have that conversation with, because sometimes you, you're so desperate to share that information for your child um but actually somebody else might label a, a, a teacher who doesn't understand or doesn't want to understand might label and treat differently so actually what you can do is ask for what your child needs yes you don't have to talk about emotions you don't have to talk about what's actually going on you can just say this is what my child needs and i would like it if you would put this in place um yeah. and actually you can just be a plan for your child because each child will have an individual plan yeah, and also um, maybe they need to know that they can ask for someone to come and give a talk on high sensitivity. Yeah, you know, I've, I've given I've given talks to uh, schools and I've given talks to nursery assistants. And one of the wonderful things that I found, um, I was invited along. So obviously people have open minds. They they you you come along on that topic and they want you to talk for half an hour, three quarters of an hour on it. And one of the wonderful things is, is as you begin to describe all the good things about a highly sensitive child, you can see people's faces change. You can see, they think their recognition of the children. And then of course, there's the very touching thing of probably, you know, maybe a quarter or a third of the nurses that you're talking to beginning to tear up because they recognize themselves in the description and that's when you you really find people's people's minds are open and they learn a lot and they're they're ready to learn about how to make the most of highly sensitive children in their in their classroom you know yeah well that's awesome I think we we talked about so many topics and I think there are some great tips and and uh information that we all shared so um i really enjoyed talking to both of you um is there anything else that you would like to add as a closing uh say 
Yeah, I think what I would what I would add is um, always feedback to a child what you most admire about their sensitive self. So all mm. the, the gifts and what they have to offer, the things that you notice, the way that they care for people, the way that they notice the subtle things, the way that you can rely on them, the way that they're careful about things, the way they make friends um, and really caring friendships. Those sorts of things help them to identify their sensitivity as, as a, a unique advantage in the world. And that is really, really good for them, I, I, I think. It, it prevents a lot of anxiety. Um, so that's what I would like to end with. Yeah, awesome. That's beautiful. I love the way, yeah, how you describe that. <laughs> yeah, great. Well, thank you very much, both of you, for being here. It was a great discussion. And um, for everyone listening if you have any questions or any thoughts about it or you would like us to uh, deepen another topic about this even more let us know so we can uh, think about uh, making uh, another podcast at some time in the future so thank you very much both of you rosie and barbara thank you thank you thank you for listening today if you want to become sensitive and strong as well, visit my website highsensitivecoaching.com and sign up for my newsletter which comes out once a month with information about my webinars, programs, coaching sessions and all other activities. Join me next time again at Sensitive and Strong.